If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA podcast. I'm going to be honest with you. We haven't even started the show yet, or actually we have. And, Trey, I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is the best one we've ever done, man. How you doing? <laughs> Happy you're saying that because I'm not doing well at all, man. Why? What's going on? What's the, what's, what's the deal, dude? I've been in hiding, if you can't tell. <laughs> it's uh, It's been rough out there. I'm, I'm actually rocking the heaviest beard I ever have in my entire life mm-hmm. because my poor performance last weekend – was met with so much resistance, hate, whatever you want to call it. I grew this to say that I was the beard, that I had the winning record last week. That's why I did it. Right. Well, you know, here's the thing, though, is that a beard is oftentimes a byproduct of self-hate. So if you're fe- <laughs> if you're feeling a certain type of way about yourself, you can always shave your head. You can always grow your beard. These things are available to you whenever you need them, man. Yeah, yeah. I uh I had a bad week, you know, it's, it's, we've been on a month long heater and one of us jumped on the winning train and just took off and flipped me off in the rear view mirror and, uh, you know, left me at the station, but it's a new week. It's a new me. I got a new beard. I'm ready to get into this. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So we did finish up the week last week. I was eight, two and one. You were five, five and one, correct? No, wait, no, no. I was five and five. I went 500. Okay, well, the, the one is a push. I mean, right? If, I'm, if we're counting the the push for me, we'll count the push for you. Okay. Um, that is what it is. So, but yeah, eight and two, five and five, whatever. And then the one obviously was the push, was which was the draw. How did you feel about that? Very rarely do we see a draw in uh, in mixed martial arts. You know, did they get it right? Did they get it wrong? What do you think? I actually thought they got it right, and I actually I texted you in that third round. I was like, he's got to score ten eight here to make it make it decisive. Makes you always want to sprinkle a little bit of cash on those draws because those draws, the payout, high risk, high reward. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Speaking of risks, if you don't want to take a risk, if you want to guarantee that you're going to win, right? If you want to guarantee quality, guarantee satisfaction, there's only one way to do that. You do that by ordering from Stay Classy Meats. You go to stayclassymeats.com. You use promo code FISH. You save 10% on your entire order. And then when it shows up to your door, you have the best meat that has ever walked God's green earth delivered directly to you. It, it's just, I say it every time, those of you that have tried it have agreed. We got the DMs. I'll show you. All you got to do is ask is that it's the best stuff that you've ever had. And it's it's the truth. Stayclassymeats.com, promo code FIST. Yeah, absolutely. Um, outside of putting good food in your body, again, we talk about draping yourself in the best possible garments out there. We actually had a friend of the show who we had on um, maybe like 10 or 12 episodes ago in Max Payne Griffin that took one of our punchless MMA athlete shirts, donned it, talked about how it's he utilized the, the Bay Area terminology and it looked hella cool. Mm. Showed it to his world, showed it to his fan base. We appreciate him, um, but we also appreciate you guys. And what we want to do again is clothe you guys in the best garments out there. Go to stay, or sorry, go to allegianceclothing.com, type in the code punch. That's going to get you 15% off site wide. Yeah. All right. So let's break some big news. We've been alluding to some big news for a while now, Trey. Let's just talk about it real quick because the show is going to look a little bit different tonight 
at least from an audio perspective. Those of you that are on the YouTube live stream, appreciate you. Uh, it, nothing's really going to change there. However, from an audio standpoint, things are going to get a little different around here. And there's a reason for that. Uh, Punchlist MMA has become part of the armchair media network. And the armchair media network is a conglomerate of the best sports related uh, podcasts and content out there right now. Everything from regional coverage to collegiate coverage to, to national coverage of all of your favorite sports, up to and including MMA, and then specifically gambling is being brought to you by the folks over at Armchair Media. And we so graciously have been brought under that umbrella. So things are going to get a little different around here. However, the content's going to remain the same. The hosts are going to remain the same. And our badass picks are going to remain the same. Trace Face is going to remain the same. Everything is going to stay the same outside the fact that you're going to get to hear us rep one more killer brand, and that is Armchair. Well, and we might also be donning uh, tuxedos because we've made it big time. Is really what we, happened. You know, the, the glow up is real. You know, it, <laughs> it is. It is what it is, man. I, I, I'm not going to try to downplay it. You know, we're movers and shakers. We do have Johnny Case coming on next week, and then after that, the week prior on the 19th, we have Haley Cowan coming on as well. You cannot miss those shows. Um, it's going to be fantastic. Trey, last week, Holly Holm, amongst the most dominant performances we've seen inside the Octagon in a long time. I hate to say I told you so, but I'm going to say it. I told you so. Come on, man. What's up? I Another text. I, I feel like I, I text you prior to a lot of these things happening, but the Holly Holm one, I texted you vigilantly because when we looked at that fight, I knew she was going to win that fight from the moment we saw her walking down the hallway, getting to the cage. She looked more relaxed. She looked more confident. She looked like an old Holly home, not the one we've seen over the past couple of years. So at the end of the day, her demeanor was better. She was coached extremely well. She enacted a game plan and gosh, did she make Irene just look like a freaking amateur in there that night? It's, it's, it's what we talk about all the time, man. There's no substitution for experience in a, a lady like Holly home. Dude, she's only fought the best in the world. She's only fought the best. And I understand at a certain point when you're at the top, you fall down a little bit, you know, eventually the old guard has to give way to the new guard, but in women's MMA, that old guard can stay around so much longer. Holly Holm, has maintained this idea that she wants to be a champion again. And I honestly think that she could do it just based on the skill gap between her and everybody else. And then her and everybody not named Amanda Nunez or Valentina Shevchenko. All she has to do is outlast Amanda Nunez because Amanda Nunez is going to retire. She got that new baby with Nina. Mm -hmm. She's not going to be around forever. She's either going to stay at 145 or she's going to roll out at which point Holly Holm has as good a chance as anybody at being the Bantamweight champ of the world. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked to see a 40-year-old Holly Holm Bantamweight champion of the world. I think it's inevitable. I think she's like the Thanos of women's MMA. She is inevitable. Holly Holm snapping the fingers and taking out everybody, at least half the division. I disagree. I disagree. Wow. I disagree. And I'm going to speak about another person pushing the 40-year-old mark in Jermaine Durandamy. We've seen Holly Holmes fight experience kind of stay the same. She's been extremely coachable. It's just a different type of mentality. When she entered the cage, we know what she's capable of. We know what's in her arsenal. When you look at Jermaine Durandamy, did you think at plus 1700, she would ever pull off a submission against a grappler? 
I didn't see that happening. That shows evolution in her game. I think she looks stronger than she ever had. Granted, she did look a little bit gassed going into the second round, but I think that that's an evolution in a game that we're not going to get from Holly. We know what Holly has. We know what her blueprint is. Jermaine's evolving. I think those two need to meet again. That's the number one title contender spot right there. I would agree. I think Holly Holm beat Jermaine Durand. I mean, it should have been the featherweight champion during after that fight. I think mm-hmm. that that should have happened. But here's the thing is I don't necessarily think that, you know, I, and I love Jermaine Durand to me. Um, I don't necessarily think that her catching a head first um, charger of a, of a takedown, you know, like I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Pena does it rudimentary wrestling, right? Rudimentary wrestling um, at its finest. So she's doing that. She's bringing this to the to the table. And Jermaine Duranami caught her in a guillotine. It wasn't like she was out there throwing like a go-go plata up. She didn't catch her in a in a soup. What is it? A cellulose stretch or whatever you want to call it. She's not patchy mix. You know, she's not out there. She's not out there throwing out calf slicer. She caught her in a guillotine. It was palm palm. She went really. It was nice. But dude, let's let's be real here. Anyway, I say I'll have to say this: Holly Holm versus GDR 2.0. Holly Holm's going to win that fight too. She's going to win that fight too. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I just don't know if any of the fans win in that fight. I, the one point that I had that was such an annoyance factor was that final round, round three with Holly Holm. She was the uh, Maria Sharapova of the UFC. The amount of ah, ah, it was obnoxious. I understand that you need to breathe when you're exercising, you're striking, but the amount of screams and the overt levels to which she went, I had to mute it. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm done. That's what they do, though. That's what they That's do. That's what you they do. That's what they do. I mean, you've watched the Thai kickboxing fight. You know what's up. You know, Muay Thai, you get that. You know that that kia, like that's that's just what oh. you just need to expect it. You just need to expect it. All right. <laughs> so we do all that to say we do have a card this weekend. Um, you know, here here's the thing, right? As we do have a card coming this weekend. As far as number one contender fights go, Marlon Marais versus Corey Sandhagen is probably the closest thing that we're going to get uh, to a real number one contender fight outside uh, of the you know really anybody else in the Bantamweight division. Both these guys are circling. I don't necessarily know if there is a a, a different fight that you can make that would better determine who the number one contender is going to be at Bantamweight. So after we get the Aljo Piotr Jan, obviously, as long as it's not some ridiculously competitive fight with a controversial finish, reasonably, as long as everybody doesn't get too banged up, the winner of this weekend's main event is probably going to be next in line. Would you agree with that? I would 100% agree with that. I think... Uh... This is the fight to make. Um, I think that you know I might be in the minority here, but I thought that uh, Marlon beat Jose Aldo in their bout. I think this is the person that should have been against uh, Peter Yan. This is it. Um, whoever wins this fight, this is a really daunting fight for for both fighters. I think going against Aljamain Sterling and taking the loss with Sandhagen, this is his last shot. I think Marlon would have a crazy route back to the title if he lost this one. This is do or die. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Listen, I, you, you know me. I thought Marais won that fight handedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there, to me, when it went to the judges' scorecard, there was no, 
indication that I thought it was going to go in Aldo's direction. And I was kind of shocked that everybody was so upset about it, calling calling it such a robbery and things of that nature. Yeah. And then he got the title fight over it, which is unbelievable. And then you've got Corey Sandhagen, who I really pegged about a year ago as being a real dark horse in the division. And then he's come to light because he continues to dominate everybody. He runs out there, gets all all dried up and runs into the human backpack and Aljamain Sterling gets tapped yeah. out almost immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really hoping for a reset here. But before we get into that, I sent you a text on Sunday and was really excited about what happened on Saturday night. But I was really equally depressed on Sunday. And why was I depressed on Sunday? Do you remember? I don't remember. And football related? I lost my ass betting football. I literally yeah, lost. Yeah. I, I got crushed on football. But the wait's finally over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football's in full effect with many teams uh, strutting their stuff early. The NBA Finals are here, and the MLB playoffs are in full swing as well as M- MMA. Uh, you might be at the game. Uh, you might now be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season. Uh, front game spreads and totals and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you the options to wager and place online. Head over to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your sportsbook experts, and all the lines that we are going to give today are coming straight from Bet Online. So if you guys want to go over to Bet Online, this is where you can find the odds that we're going to talk about. Trey, let's get into this main card. Dude, I am so pumped for this weekend. Um, and I say that without an ounce of sarcasm. I think that this is one of those cards that we talk about where there's a lot of sleeper potential. There's a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money. And I think that we're actually going to see uh, this be amongst the contenders for some of the best fights that we've seen on Fight Island. So let's get right into it. <laughs> do, you, do you want to say that with an asterisk? And the why? reason I say why, why, why? Okay. For those who have listened to the show over the past couple episodes, I have told you that I usually concede my picks to Dale prior to the show, tell him where mm-hmm. I'm standing, mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about. We don't script anything. Dale has become a little bit more receptive over the past couple episodes. He's been sending me his picks. The issue, or the if you want to utilize your words, the caveat mm-hmm. is every single one of your picks came with an asterisk. So there is no true solidification as to mm-hmm. where you stand. You're doing it again. I can't stand it. I oh never know God. where you stand. Here we go. Listen, I'm, everybody knows me. Here's the thing. When we go into these head-to-head battles, a couple different things that we know that the people know. One is that I don't sugarcoat anything. And two is I'm forthright, honest, and I operate with integrity first above all else. The reason why those asterisks were on the text message is because I was unsure of those. And I will gladly tell the people as well as I tell you whenever I'm not 100% sure on something. You can't fault me because I always say whenever I'm not 100% sure on something. The other thing is, too, the reason why I've made this change, or the reason why I've made the switch up and I'm letting you know, is that because you told me that people want us to see to want to see us compete against one another. So if that's the case and it becomes this competition between us, I'm the type of dude that I'm going to show you what I'm going to do and then I'm still going to do it. I'm calling my shot. I'm Babe Ruth with the finger out. I'm Paul, I'm, I'm Izzy Adesanya writing your name in the death note every week. That's what I'm doing. I'm letting you know what my picks are and I'm still going to outpick you. Well, I mean, I don't want you to take picks for the sake of competition. I would never want you to do that. If we're aligned on certain picks, we need to just be there. Sure. I made my retarded picks myself last week. Oh, that was all R. on me. You threw a hard R. Okay. I threw a hard R because I lost some people some money. I felt the pain. I got the DMs about it. I changed my facial features. I needed to become the beard the past week. I'm shaving this shit off. I'm going team entree, and I'm ready to dominate this main card. Let's go. 
All right, man. Let's get into the main card here. Yusef Zalal at 10 and 2, the Moroccan devil himself, taking on uh, Ilya Topora. Toporia? Toporia. Ilya Toporia. Topuria, yeah. Topuria, yeah. Ilya like Topuria. shrimp. Yep, at plus 155. Yusef Zalal at a minus 190. Over under on rounds is at two and a half. Trey, do you want to go first here? Because I, 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 I'm, I'm geeked. I'm ready. I'm ready. My, my neck is jacked, but I'm ready to go. What do you, what do you want to do here? I'll go first. I'll take it. I had no asterisks on this one. Um, Tapuria, he's set to make his obviously UFC debut this weekend. I think this is a weird main fight start um, because he is making his UFC debut. Not many people get that and get on the main card right away. Zalal, he hasn't really looked that good in his past couple fights. He's always just kind of been there. He doesn't, I'd call him a little bit of a gatekeeper into in regards to UFC competition. Tapuria, on the other hand, he's a super pressure heavy fighter. I think that at the end of the day, you got to watch out for what he's going to do on the ground. He's got seven subs to his name. Zala is a great test. Um, I say that this is going to be a tough one to go with, but I'm going to lean with Tapuria just because he is hyper aggressive, and we haven't really seen Zalal on the ground too much. I'd like to fare with the grappler here a little bit. Okay, so I think Zalal is one of the talks of the town. I think he's one of the guys that's earmarked or dog-eared or whatever you want to call it to be one of the contenders, uh, you know, one of the new new blood contenders that are out there right now. I honestly think that, you know, Yusuf Zalal has great opportunity, shows great promise, and is getting a little bit of a push from the UFC. What's strange to me about this matchup, though, against going up against Tapuria, though, is that it's not the name that you would think that a guy that that has fought as frequently as he's had or he has it w- would get at this point. So he's getting a guy um, who admittedly is a stiff test for him at plus yeah. 155. I think that the odds makers kind of know something there. Here's what I like about this fight, right? And this is the this is the big thing for me is that over under on rounds is at two and a half. I like under two and a half here. I really like under two and a half because Taporia has shown himself to be able to finish fights, and because Zalal never takes a step backwards. He's going to engage. He's going to be there. If Taporia comes in with octagon jitter, jitters and blows his wad the way yeah. a lot of people. Um, do at the, in the UFC, you know, and then Fight Island is such a unique place to have your UFC debut. Um, you know, this is one of those things where we could see a guy gas out really, you know, really easily. And if he comes in and he tries to execute that sort of finish heavy game plan on the ground, he could expend a lot of energy in doing so, which would make him susceptible to the striking creativity of Zalal. I don't agree with necessarily with the assessment that Zalal is a gatekeeper. I don't think he's been around enough for that, but I think that they are using this as a measuring stick for him to see where he's going to fit into the grand scheme of things. Taporia is not a, you know, is not an easy fight by any means. I am going to take Taporia, and here's the reason why I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him because it's penchant for finishing fights. Um, we have not seen Zalal tested at all. We've seen him have, have relative ease of competition uh, inside the UFC. Taporia is going to bring the fight to him. I'm going to take a stab on him at plus 155 because of the value of it, and I'm also going to put that with the under 2.5 because I do not believe this fight's going to go to decision. No, that's fair. Uh, poor choice of words on my behalf. <laughs> Let me say UFC barometer. That's a better way to say what Zalal is. His fights against Peter Barrett and J- uh, Jordan Griffin showed him to be a very well-rounded fighter. But I think the one thing that you said that is 
1000% accurate is Tapuria is going to see those bright lights. This is being on a main card. He might gas himself out and a guy that's hyper aggressive and level changes a lot. The cardio is going to go out the door. And I think that this is going to be two guys pressing forward. So yeah, under two and a half. I love that. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Uh, next fight, Tom Aspinall, eight and two, taking on Alain Badeau. Uh, he's French, so I believe Alain Badeau, even though it looks like Alan Badot, I think is is fair. I, you know, with him being French, I think Alain Badeau sounds about right. Tom Aspinall minus five hundred, Alan Badeau plus three eighty five. Over under on rounds here at one and a half. This is a this is a fight that has me slightly concerned. If I can be honest with you here, um, Badeau is not faced you know, really premium competition. Uh, he's done a lot of fighting in the Asian circuit, which is strange given, you know, his background. But here's the thing with this. At a plus 385, when you've got guys that are this big, you know, you're talking about a heavyweight at plus 385? Does he have a puncher's chance? I mean, we're literally, we're almost four to one on our money here. Do we need to sit here and go, this is a thing where I have to make a pick where I'm competing against you? Or is this something where I want to take a stab because he's going to stand there and bang with Tom Aspinall and they're both heavyweights? I mean, what do you, what, what's, what's your thought process going into a fight like this? Cause I see plus 385 and I see the way big underdogs have been winning lately. And I think heavyweight and I think eh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's, that's set there for a couple of reasons. Um, Aspinall obviously trains with a good camp, um, same camp that uh, Darren Till's at. Um, the thing with Badeau, I'm going to call him Badeau. Yeah. There's no, there's no record of his fights really. I mean, it's so hard to find any clips. I tried to find some to do a little bit of due diligence, couldn't find anything out there. I did find that obviously he fights at a French camp. It's actually the camp that camp that Francis Ngannou actually started at, so it's got some reputation there. But <laughs> again. This is a fight. It's two heavyweights. And actually, these are heavyweights that aren't really big. They're actually faster. They kind of almost look like light heavyweights. So I sure. think that the way that they can move uh, their lateral movement and their aggression, why couldn't this go either way? It's set at one and a half or over under for a reason. Um, I'm going to stay away, super far away from this fight as possible. I just think, you know, Aspinall should be able to be utilizing. He's got a great um, jiu-jitsu foundation. He should be able to level change, create those feints, be a little bit more dynamic. But again, if these guys come in, which, you know, intensity's high at Fight Island, start to swing in the center, it's anyone's game. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're looking for any sort of footage on Alan Badeau, unless you've watched the TKO promotion or match Matsuri, EFC heat or angels fighting, you're never going to find, you know, a lot of footage on him. So I agree with you without a lot of information and with the line being so wonky, maybe short of throwing Aspinall in a parlay to maybe bring down the odds, make it a little bit more palatable. I'm not touching this fight. I'm staying away from it. I just do not trust heavyweights with those kind of odds. All right. Moving on, Drickus Duplexus at 14 and 2, taking on Marcus Perez at 12 and 3. I'm excited to let you go first here because Duplexus is at, at minus 160 and Marcus Perez at his plus 130. And the over on rounds here, Trey, is at two and a half. And you know as well as I do, Marcus Perez is not going to take a step backwards. Did they get the rounds on this fight wrong? What where are you sitting here? Marcus Perez got a fucking Christmas gift. He oh. did. And the reason I say that is because do you know who he was who he was slated to fight prior to this? Oh, you're gonna say it. I'm gonna immediately know, but I can't right off the top of my head. No, I do not remember who was it. It was can it got canceled. What was it? Um, well, it was outside of Dober. 
Oh, it was, it was uh, oh my gosh, the jujitsu dude. Who was it? Yeah. Um, Adolfo Vieira. Adolfo, that's right. Yep. yep. Okay, that was a Christmas gift that Marcus Perez did not get that fight because Adolfo would have absolutely ripped off one of his limbs. Mm. So being that that was going to happen, they put someone that you know jumps into the promotion, but he's no slouch. The guy's had a belt in Poland's K KSW. Um, he's got a couple, uh, you know, big fights in EFC. Um, he's got a great Muay Thai style, but you know, when it goes strike for strike, Perez probably has a bit of a more standard technique, a little bit more patience. Um, but he's prone to these firefights. Like you talked about, he's not the guy that's going to step back, but methodically, uh, technique wise, he's going to pose a little bit more of that standard, you know, orthodox position which is going to be tough for someone to slip in and, you know, someone that is a little bit unorthodox and duplessis might be able to find a vulnerability, but I think you got to go with the guy that's had experience, the guy that has the technique. This is a little bit more tailor-made for Perez than it is for duplessis for sure. Okay. So here's my thing with this fight, right? A couple different things is I think that we're going to see a better gas tank out of Perez than we are uh, duplessis because with plus he's literally like 0% body fat, right? And a big <laughs> guy, 0% body fat. He's definitely going to, um, you know, essentially if he can't get him out of there and Marcus Perez has shown himself to be incredibly durable. If he can't get himself, get him out of there, he's going to find himself in, in a, in a situation where he's going to have to determine whether or not he wants to uh, try to get the finish or he needs to conserve energy and do enough to win. So that being said, Oh, uh, Perez versus Almeida Perez has COVID that's breaking news to me. Really? Wow. The dang COVID. Oh, no, he said wrong Perez. Okay. See with this chat chat coming in here. <laughs> throwing stuff off get out of here with this <laughs> all right so this fight is still on all right you know things change by the minute with this COVID. <laughs> all right so we're going to proceed as if it, it, that wasn't the case i appreciate you bro i'm coming on and, and you know doing the best for us here um but anyway <laughs> duplessis um so here's the thing right is you know like you said um He's going to he's going to present issues for Marcus Perez if Marcus Perez cannot get creative. Marcus Perez has lost four out of his last six. I think Duplessis here at minus one sixty is good money, good value here. Um, obviously, like we said before, there's no substitution for experience. Marcus Perez has fought the better fighters. Um, Duplessis will be there to get hit if he can't get Perez out of there, and Perez has shown himself to be durable. He's going to have a hard time winning the fight over a decision. So I like the over under here. I like the over two and a half. Because I guess I don't necessarily think that he's going to get Marcus Perez out of there. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where, again, we have a guy making his UFC debut. Those tend to slow down, slow things down a yeah. little bit. Um, I'm going to take Duplessis on a flyer, just a little bit of a play here on Duplessis. But I really kind of like the over under on rounds at two and two and a half. I'm not really married to either one of these picks. They are subject to change come Saturday. But tentatively for right now, I'm liking Duplessis at minus 160. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, Marcus Perez, again, he should win this fight on paper based on experience, based on his technique. But the problem is he is one fighter that everyone knows is susceptible to brawls. And when you got a guy that's coming in, that's making his debut, and like we talked about in previous fights, this COVID era, fight island, everyone's hyper aggressive. He can get sucked into that, and you can fare with a person that is what is, quote, unquote, the underdog, even though Marcus Perez is the underdog in this fight, which still blows my mind. Um, but, yeah, I could see sprinkling a little bit on Duplessis, but I'm going to take Marcus Perez just because I believe from a money line perspective that's who should get it done. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to the fight that we've gotten more messages about than I think even the yeah. main event. 
Ben Rothwell, the king of Kenosha himself, Big Ben Rothwell at 38 and 12, taking on Marcin Tibera at 19 and 6. Ben Rothwell at, uh, you know, minus 165. Tibera at plus 135. Over under on rounds here, heavyweight tilt tray at two and a half. We've gotten a ton of questions about this fight, man. So I know you've done your research because you've been the one primarily responding to a lot of these. What do you think? How do you think this is going to play out? What what can we expect on Saturday night? Yeah, it's a big deal because you got two heavyweights that are both coming off two wins. Um, People want to talk about Ben Rothwell getting, you know, clipped for PEDs back in 2019, right? They always want to talk shit on him that he used to be faster, used to be quicker, all this stuff. But let's go back to Ben Rothwell's last win against OSP a light heavyweight that moves faster, that is a little bit more dynamic, and he fared just well. I actually thought that his cardio held up just to the same as OSP. OSP looked a little bit gassed. So I think when you look at him, you look at him in the Struve fight, he was losing, but he still has that KO power. He started to land. He changed his. He changed the dynamics. He didn't go for headshots. He was going for the body. I think having those mental changes mid-fight shows the fight IQ. Tiberia, to me, is a guy who's you know a rocket ship title contention, and then he hits a glass ceiling when he hits a top five guy. He did it against Verdum. He did it against Derek Lewis. Losses like those change who you are and decide, hey, am I UFC caliber, meaning am I in tier one or am I in tier two? Some people are fine with being in tier two. I think Tiberius hit that glass ceiling, though, and mentally that's kind of fucked him up a little bit. And mm. I don't know if he can break through that. Ben's on a rocket ship going after OSP, which everyone thought OSP was going to win that. I think Ben is in a new era for himself, one where he's comfortable in his own skin, comfortable in his technique. I really like Ben Ben Rothwell on this, especially with all the experience. Yeah. There is no substitution, like we said, for experience. That's the theme of the night. But here's the thing with this, right, is you've got a Ben Rothwell that's lost three out of his last five. But those losses have come against Junior Dos Santos, Blagoy Ivanov in a fight that I thought, you know, really that Ben Rothwell wasn't really out of. It went to decision. And I think that, you know, Rothwell could have possibly been given the nod there. And then a loss against Andre Arlovsky, who admittedly has beaten – um, has beaten Rothwell before in a different promotion. And it is one of those things where for some reason, Rothwell has shown himself to have a mental block when it comes to certain levels of fighters, uh, when it comes to, you know, guys that have beat him previously, you know, he doesn't fare well, particularly in rematches, but he has faced the better competition. He currently holds a knockout win over number, you know, probably, Top three contender, Alistair Overeem. He yep. he's a guy that's constantly in the mix. Tybora, using that same logic, is a guy that's sort of constantly right outside the mix. He's just really never in the spot um, where he, you know, where you can really just say he's one or two wins away from putting on on a run or going on a run. He's just really not there. Admittedly, I think this isn't a good fight for Rothwell because it doesn't do anything for him. I think from a career standpoint, this fight does nothing for him. I think he's assuming all of the risk by fighting Marcin Tybura here because Tybura can beat him. Um, mm-hmm. He will yeah. be there to exchange and he can submit Ben Rothwell. Ben Rothwell um, is a massive man, but yeah. Tybura has shown himself to have good submissions. He can submit Ben Rothwell. That I just don't see what this fight does for Ben other than gets him paid. 
Um, I know he's got a school. I know he's, you know, he, he's got a family, everything else. Maybe he just wants the paycheck. Maybe he realizes he's not going to be UFC heavyweight champion anytime soon. And he just wants to get paid. He wants to take a fight. Maybe that's why he's taking this fight outside of that. It does nothing for him. I don't know why he takes it. Minus 165. I'm taking Rothwell, though. I think he gets it done against Tybora. I'm not touching that over under on rounds. Both of these guys have shown themselves to be insanely durable. I have no desire to, you know, bet an over two and a half on a heavyweight fight especially when they're going to throw as hard as these guys are going to throw. You never know what can happen. I'm not touching that, but I like Ben Rothwell minus 165. I think it's a good price for him. It's a fair price. It's it's super fair. And to your point, the over-under, don't even mess with that. Tybrera is the type of person that either goes out on his shield or he clinches up against the cage and makes it the slowest fight you've ever seen in your entire life. So stay away. Yeah, this has split decision written all over it. Yeah. This has this has stupid split decision written all over it. All right, co-main event of the evening, not the main event we wanted, but it is the or the co-main event we wanted, but it is the co-main event we're going to get. Originally slated to be Edson Barboza versus Sadiq Youssef. Youssef out last minute. In steps Mr. Finland himself, Malkwan Amir Khani at sixteen and four, taking on Edson Barboza at twenty and nine. Edson Barboza minus two fifty favorite here, which you, believe it or not, I think is actually a really good price for Edson Barboza in this fight. Um, mm-hmm. Over on our rounds is at two and a half. I'm I'm taking under two and a half here too, man. I I, <laughs> I don't see this fight going three rounds, so uh, I can either segue into my pick or you you can go ahead. You, you can say what you want here. I this this fight and this match i'm not really understanding you know what the purpose was um it's very one-sided i'm on the same as you i am going barbosa i think you know originally i thought the drop to 145 was a moronic idea um i thought that was really stupid especially for edson barbosa where are you going to take fat off that guy's body like his fucking eyelid like that guy has no fat as it is that's always been the biggest biggest issue um and when you have that drawn in body that lack of body fat you become more susceptible to getting clipped you have less fluid in your face that's a big issue barbosa's proved us all wrong with that though we saw that against the danny gay fight we saw a guy that you know cam brawl makes a little bit of dirty boxing can bring a guy down but can you ever count out the gnarliest leg kicks in the game in edson barbosa that guy is they should call him edson the lumberjack barbosa that guy chops trees down like no other you know i like him to keep that distance utilize those leg kicks the only thing he's got to watch out for is amir connie on the ground i don't see him closing the distance though to get this thing to the ground so what's uh amir gonna do he's gonna try and pull guard no i think edson's gonna keep that distance he's gonna utilize those devastating leg kicks this should be very one-sided. Makwan is going to have to fight from orthodox southpaw. He's going to have to switch back and forth all night long because those legs are going to be tree trunks of bruising boulders. Yeah, I, I see the reason. I actually do see why this fight is, is still pressing forward. I initially thought the Sadiq Youssef fight uh, versus Edson Barboza was a very dangerous fight for Edson. And one, admittedly, I didn't understand why he took. Edson Barboza, when you look back at it, um, is he's going to be one of those guys that's going to sit sort of in the pantheon of guys that never had an easy fight. He literally has only fought killers. He only contends that he wants to fight killers. And the UFC continues to oblige him. One in five in his last six fights, a switch to featherweight, immediately takes on a possible one number one contender in Dan Ige. And then, you know, arguably wins that fight, depending on where you were sitting. We didn't think he could make the weight. He made the weight. He does everything he, that he says he's going to do. Um, and continues to execute at a high level. I thought the Yusef fight was a really dangerous fight for him. He took it anyway, right? Yeah. Then he, he proceeds to put himself in camp. Then he takes a guy on a guy like Makwan Amir Khani. I like this fight a lot more 
for Barboza because it's a more beatable opponent, in my opinion. And a guy like Barboza that's one in five in his last six yeah. needs a guy that he's got a good chance against. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, to use your term, is on a rocket ship headed to the top. Uh, going against a guy like Edson Barboza, they're using Barboza's name as a stepping stone to put Youssef into contention to say this guy deserves to be up there with the Calvin Caters, the Dan Egays of the world. They're going to use Barboza as that uh, as that launch pad for that rocket ship. A fight like uh, against a guy like Makwan Amirkani, this is a more winnable fight for Edson Barboza. It's a fight that Barboza should win if he wants to continue to stay relevant in the UFC featherweight or lightweight division. He's got to beat Makwan Amirkani on Saturday night. Now, if you're Makwan Amirkani, it makes sense to take this fight because if you For beat sure. Edson Barboza, you have now shortlisted yourself as being able to be right there when it comes to getting any sort of name. And if you do so in convincing fashion, like Makwan can do, um, it, it really sort of sets your career in another direction. So it's really a win-win for Makwan because if he loses this fight, everybody expected him to, no big deal. Yeah. If he wins, He's one step away from being, you know, getting on on a pay per view is really what it's, what it's going to be. So I see why he took it. I see why Edson Barboza took it. I like the over under. I like the under at two and a half. I like Edson Barboza at the minus two fifty. I still think that's a good price for Edson Barboza. He should win this fight. I think he does so convincingly um, somewhere in the second round. However. However, uh, Mach 1 does have the submission skills to get things done. That's why I'm more in love with the under 2.5 than I am Barboza outright. But I do like Barboza, and I do like the under 2.5 here. Yeah. I, I will say I slightly disagree, though, with the point that he has nothing to lose. I think this is his last chance, and I'm talking about Mach 1 and Mirakani here. Mm. I think this is his last fight of a quote-unquote like Tier 1-type fighter. I spoke about glass ceilings before. He had an opportunity against Shane Burgos, and he got absolutely murdered. I think the chances of him getting one of those name fighters after this, if he loses in a devastating fashion, is few and far between. So I think that there is a lot for him to lose, but obviously there's much, much more for Edson Barbosa. I think if Edson Barbosa loses this, you know Scott Coker is going to be calling him being like, hey, come look at the glorious land that is Bellator. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Makwan, who he's fought, you know, obviously a win off of Danny with off of Danny Henry with an Anaconda choke, lost to Shane Burgos, like you said, but he beat Chris Fishgold, who was a mm. what two division cage warriors champ. And then he beat Jason Knight and then a loss to Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen just got um, booked, if I'm not mistaken, to fight uh, Jeremy Stevens. So Arnold Allen's on the uh, on the fast track. Shane Burgos, yeah. as we know, fan favorite fast track as well. Um, and then, you know, I don't necessarily think it's curtains for for Makwan if he loses this fight, but I do think that he needs to win this fight, like you yeah. said, to stay relevant and getting names. Uh, if you if you don't want to be fighting the Chris Fishgolds of the world, all due respect to Chris <laughs> Fishgold, you have to you you should really get a win here. You really yeah. need to get a win. All right, main event of the evening: Marlon Marais, twenty three six and one, taking on Corey Sandhagen, twelve and two. Marlon Marais, believe it or not, underdog plus one hundred five. Corey Sandhagen. The favorite, minus 135, over, under on rounds. Vegas has it spot on here, Trey. Is at three and a half. I'll let you go first here, buddy, because I'm, I'm, I am I'm remain. This is one of the ones, admittedly, circle back to what we said before with the asterisk. Here's the asterisk. <laughs> it's good that we're all going to get a little bit of marinating, starting from the co-main, going to the main. What I mean by that is Edson Barbosa, devastating leg kicks. Marlon Marais is the next step in leg kicks at the 135 division. I think that this is a, like I said before, this is a tough fight for both fighters. They both have a lot on their shoulders. I think that the way that this is timing out, it looks like uh, Petra Jan and um, Aljamain Sterling are probably going to fight early 2021. So if you 
you know, fight this come, you know, the next couple of days, you've got about four months, you can take off to get another title shot. So there's everything on the planet on these guys' shoulders. When we look at Marlon Moraes, though, he's got outstanding boxing. He's got great head movement. He's a BJJ uh, black belt. Um, you know, <laughs> this guy, it's insane to me that a guy with this type of body type, he goes up with the Marlon Ferris, the, you know, uh, the people that, I'm sorry, he goes up with the uh, Adolfo Vieras, all the guys that are almost chiseled, freaking best cardio looking bodies on the planet. And he just doesn't have the gas tank. We've seen this from Marlon Moraes a couple of times, but we saw it to the greatest degree in the Jose Aldo fight. Probably one of the reasons as to why he didn't get the nod for the decision. Jose Aldo outworked him in the later rounds because he started to gas. He couldn't keep his hands up. He couldn't keep his head up. To me, this fight comes down to who has the better gas tank. I think that Sanhagen, while he's only he's exercising, obviously a greater reach, he's going to be more surgical. He's going to be picking his shots, but I think the onslaught that Marlon Moraes is going to bring immediately in those first two rounds are going to dictate how the course of this fight goes. Yeah, so it's a couple different things here. Part of me leads, leans Marlon Moraes on this fight based on the fact that we have seen Sanhagen. Well, we, we we've seen the we've seen the the vulnerabilities that he has, right? With Aljamain Sterling exposed that he does not really have great submission defense. Right. Um, and Marlon Moraes, while not utilizing it very often, does have a great background. Does have a black belt in jujitsu. Can implement a game plan like that. Um, what we've also seen Sanhagen struggle with is guys that are particularly that are really fast. And Marlon Marais is extremely fast. He's explosive. Um, he is, you know, he's just he's a blur, man. Whenever yeah. he engages, enters into a combination, he is so fast, gets his head off the center line. He's never where you left him. He's never where you remember him being. He's so incredibly quick and he executes game plans really well. The problem is with Marlon Marais, and this is where I think Sandhagen has the advantage, is that Sandhagen wants to drag you into deep water. And we have seen Marlon Marais be unable to tread when water gets deep. Sandhagen does not want this fight to end in round one. I'm sure he would from a paycheck perspective, but it's it can't be his game plan. His game plan has got to be stick, move. Jab, stay just out of reach of Marlon Marais, yeah, frustrate yeah. him, bust him up a little bit because when Marlon Marais gets hurt, he gets careless, he makes mistakes, you can get him out of there. So I like the over on this fight, believe it or not, at three and a mm. half. I realize it's that 17 minutes and 30 seconds of fighting, but I really kind of like the over. I'm leaning on the round play almost more than the person play here. I like Sandhagen. The more I talk about him, the more I like him in this fight, man. I, it's one of those things. Like I said, I've been going back and forth on this for the better half of two weeks now. It's really hard for me to go against a team elevation guy. It's really hard for me to go against a team elevation guy at this price. And at three and a half, knowing what I know about Marlon Rice, I, I just don't necessarily know that Corey Sandhagen's going to be there to have his back taken again, like we saw with the Aljamain Sterling fight. I think that if Marice comes out and he stays in a stand-up engagement with them, I think Corey Sandhagen will get the better over this over 25 minutes. I, I I can agree with that, but and I will say for Sandhagen, it was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to him getting submitted by Aljo because that showed him that he needs to take his time. He needs to feel what the fight's going to do and what the rhythm of the fight's going to be. With Marlon Marais, he knows what that's going to be. So if he can work the outside of the cage, move laterally, get out of there and pick his strikes to your point. 
Yes, I could see that hitting over it, but Marlon Marais knows that he doesn't have a good gas tank. You're going to a foreign country. It's hot, humid. doesn't matter if you got AC in there. You're waking up at 3 a.m. to fight to make it cohesive with whether that's Pacific or Eastern time. Everyone's all discombobulated. You're flying. You're dehydrated. I think that Marlon Magic Marais has got two rounds to get this thing done, and if he doesn't get it done, it's big issues. So I see the under actually being – being that it is set at three and a half, I love the under on that fight. Marlon Rice is not going to go past three and a half. Okay. Okay. So where you're landing where on this? I'm going to go. I'm definitely um, Rice money line, but I want to see what he looks like at weigh-ins. Um, I'm right now leaning Rice, and I'm going under three and a half. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's uh... – I'll take it. You know, here's the thing. I needed you to say it twice. One, because I want the people to know what you're thinking. <laughs> and two, because I don't know if you know this or not, but I got this old man thing going on where my 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 ears uh, grow hair extremely quickly. And it yeah. it, it, it bugs me. Um mm-hmm. it's, I'll be walking down the street and I'll just catch the breeze on it a little bit. And I, you know, it's one of those things where you gotta try to pull it out with your hand. Thankfully, though, uh, I don't have to do that anymore. Manscaped was kind enough, they sent us the new weed whacker. Um, it's fantastic, man. You know, the, the weed whacker is a nose and ear hair trimmer. Uh, you know, if, if you look in your mirror, which I'm sure you do quite often, you, you look like you're into your own aesthetics. You'll probably see that you got that rogue hair here and there. Um, 9,000 RPMs off that weed whacker, man, takes it right off, right off, <laughs> right off. Uh, so anyway, use promo code armchair, save 20% and you'll get free shipping on the entire thing. The new weed whacker from Manscaped, dude, it's uh, it's a game changer as far as that ear hair game goes. Oh, dude, it's so funny you're 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 talking to the people about the weed whacker because you ever pull out a, a nose hair and then all of a sudden you start sneezing? Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah. you cannot do that in the COVID era. People will literally run. They'll be like, scram, that dude's got COVID for sure. I'd rather utilize the weed whacker in the comfort of my own home with that fast blade action, the light and everything. Do it. No Just one do it right. COVID, it's done. Easy. I told you about the person I work with that doesn't call it COVID. They call it COVID, right? Hey, whatever. <laughs> and they're not joking around. They legitimately said COVID every time. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, guys, uh, we do have a triple header of fun upon us this week. Football's in full effect. Many teams strutting their stuff early. NBA finals are here and the MLB playoffs are in full swing. Uh, you might not be at a game this year, but you'll still bet on the, get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is Going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props. The bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place. Head over to bet online today. Use promo code armchair and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I tagged you in a post by them earlier today, Trey. Did you see what they did? Bet online paid out the Chiefs as division winners already. Four games into the season, bet online paid out Chiefs as division winners already just said it's 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 done they're four and oh they're not going to lose the decision they paid out winners already it's insane you want to see their pnl slip because they even stated it their loss on that if in fact they are not division winners they said well well it will chalk it up to a six-figure loss for the company yeah i love that that's funny (laughs) man i love the confidence from them and i also like the fact that like if you made that play you're just getting paid early. All right, let's touch on these prelims, dude. Let's get through some of these prelims. This is where I think this is going to make or break this week, right, are these prelims. And I think we've got, you know, a, a really a gauntlet laid down before us as far as prelim fights go. Uh, so let's get right into these. Bruno Silva, 10-5-2, and two, taking on Tajir Ulenbakov. Uh, Silva at 2-10, and 10, Ulenbakov at minus 4-10. Over-under on rounds here, Trey, is at 2.5. 
how do you feel, man? I know you like your I know you like your jujitsu guys, but uh, you're gonna go against a Dagestani Caucasus Mountain Warrior in Ulembakov? No, but the thing is, Lembakov, he he actually has submission threats. And you know me, I love my Dagestanian fighters. So need I say more? Dude, he is so scary. I think uh the one caveat to this fight is it was originally slated to be a 135. It's now dropped to 125. At that 125 weight, it actually fits Bruno Silva a little bit better. I think that still, though, with that 10 pounds, Ulembikov is going to be able to utilize his weight and anything that happens on the ground. The guy is so slick. So, no, my Dagestanian grapplers, mm, I love it all day. Okay, all right, because I was, I just, I wanted to make sure, you know, me, I'm never going, I'd never go against, uh, you know, that that Caucasus Mountain Warrior spirit, man. So <laughs> minus 410, I'm taking him over under around two and a half. Don't necessarily want to touch that, uh, but I do like Lembikov here. Yeah. All right, so speaking of things you want to touch. Tracy Cortez <laughs> seven and one taking on Stephanie Egger at five and one. Tracy Cortez at seven and one. Uh, Tracy Cortez minus two fifty. Two fifty. Stephanie Egger plus two hundred. Over under on rounds is at two and a half. Dude, what do you think is going on here? Tracy Cortez is the hype. Is the hype real? Stephanie Egger is a gri- uh, Egger is a grizzled veteran. She can get a win here, can't she? Plus two hundred on a women's MMA fight. This is the coin flip, bro. This is what we live for. Yeah, Egger taking this fight on short notice. You know, she's going to come in the much bigger fighter. She's a former featherweight. I think Tracy Cortez, which by the way, she looks like the younger sister of uh, Rachel Ostovich, you know, like mm-hmm. absolutely. And much like Rachel Ostovich, she had a great, beautiful performance against Vanessa Mello prior. So I think that she's very well rounded, but this is the issue. Egger is a gamer. You know, and coming in as a heavier fighter, this is 1000% a coin flip. How it's set right now at 250 for Tracy is absolutely mind blowing. There's so much value in Edgar here. I think a lot of that's just weighted on the fact this is short notice. Um, I'm going Cortez. I want to see Wayans. I want to see how much bigger Edgar is going to look. But if she's coming in monstrously bigger, I'm definitely sprinkling a little bit on Edgar here. I, I'm I'm gonna take Edgar here. Just I, I I'll I'm gonna watch weigh-ins. I'll see what it looks like. I might change it up a little bit, but as it stands right now, for us for the for the for the sake of us talking and recording, I'm initially gonna take Edgar, and I'm gonna tell you why. She's got a win over over Mara Barello on the regional scene, and we know that Mara fought Ooh. or fights in the UFC, so she has fought UFC caliber opponents before. But last year, she got herself into a little bit of a grappling exchange with the one and only Gabby Garcia. No, she didn't. Gabby, massive Gabby Garcia. And she lost on points. It wasn't by sub. She lost on points. So those of you who are not familiar with who Gabby Garcia is, Google's your best friend. Um, And yes, that's a real person. So all that to say, this chick went to points with Gabby Garcia. I'm feeling a certain type of way about this. I don't necessarily know if Tracy Cortez can bring that type of fight if she's got that dog in her. To go after a chick like Stephanie Egger on short notice, she's not going to necessarily be able to prepare the way that we do. I think that uh, Cortez is getting a little bit of a push here. I think Vegas likes her just based off of quality competition and the way that she looks, not necessarily with the fact that Stephanie Egger is not going to give a shit about any of that. She's going to bring the fight to her, and it's a women's MMA. It's, it's the it's the coin flip. It's the it's it's the best odds in all of sports. Women's MMA is always 50-50. I don't care what the odds makers say. It's always 50-50 unless it's Amanda Nunes or Holly Holm fighting. Chicks at this level of talent, it's a 50-50. I'm taking Stephanie Egger tentatively at plus 200 here. That blows my mind, Gabby Garcia on points. And I love how you said 
that person. That is persons, plural. That is two people, Gabby Garcia. So no way. She's massive. Just massive. probably the biggest, strongest woman I think I've ever seen. I All was right. terrified. Yeah, I would never want to shake her hand. Well, I would just say it met her, but she would immediately alpha me. Just immediately oh, alpha. Yeah. And it's great because I, I don't like to be alpha at all. I, I'll, no, I'll, I'd I'll have fight. that wet fish handshake just trembling. Right, yeah, right. no way. I'll rage against the dying of the light to not be out alpha. <laughs> she would out alpha me for sure. Yeah. Her testosterone level higher than mine. Oh, Has 100%. to be. Uses Has the weed be. whacker for sure. Absolutely. If we don't, we if she doesn't, we gotta send her one. We use promo code armchair and send Gabby Garcia weed whacker. Keep four for one nostril. Keep things moving. Jeez, oh man. Uh Giga Chiqueza at 10 and 2, taking on Omar Morales at 10 and 0. Chiqueza at plus 125. Morales 10 and 0. Like I said, minus 155 favorite here over under on rounds is at two and a half. Explain to me how Chikese is not the favorite here. Dude, explain to me how this isn't hugging at least like the main fight on the prelim card. It needs to be the feature prelim. It, it needs does. to be the feature prelim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chikadez, I mean, he's a super pressure heavy, aggressive fighter. He's his, did I say it wrong? I, I tried to, to, try to gloss it over. Yeah. I didn't really want to. Fast. Yeah. Go ahead. Chikadez. Go, ahead, go with Chikadez. Let's do that. I want to say Chikadez. Chickadays is a heavy pressure fighter. He's super aggressive. Um, Omar can stand in the pocket and trade, though, and that's a big issue. So when you have two fighters that are hyper aggressive and literally pointing to the center of the octagon and saying, let's go, you know it's going to be fireworks. And Chickadays, man, is just going to ride off into the sunset. I love right. this fight for him. So you're taking you're taking Jacques here? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. At 10 and two over. So Omar Morales, is, the O has got to go. Now, let me ask you this, right? Because a guy like Omar Morales – Fights out of hard, uh, what is it? It's not hard knocks anymore, right? What is it? Are the, is oh it hard God. knocks still? Changed like seven times. I think it still is hard knocks 365. But listen, he's got a win over Gabriel Benitez, a win over Dong Young Ma, a win over Harvey Park on the contender series. Does he have a chance at finishing this fight? He's shown himself to have a penchant for the decision. Do you really think that he's going to do something over the course of 15 minutes that's going to be able to get Jacquesi out of there? Or is it going to be one of those things where – you know, we're going to see Jacquesi be able to implement his game plan to have him control the pace and have him be able uh, to, you know, to do what needs to be done here. I'm taking Jacquesi here, man. I, I really, I really like him in this fight. I think the O is going to go. And I, it, anytime you, this will probably be, this will probably be the last time you get Jacquesi at plus money. I agree with that. And I think uh, if you were to like compare different fighters here, Omar Morales kind of has that fighting style that looks a little bit like uh, Donald Cerrone, where he kind of has, like you talked about, the T-Rex arms. He mm. keeps it really close to his chest. And I think when you have someone moving forward, like she could – dude, I'm not going to be able to say the last name. I quit. When you have someone like that who's going to press forward and be able to utilize his, his reach, which I believe it's extended by an, a, an inch or two, he's going to capitalize on that. Get rid of the dinosaur arms. Let's put it in chicken days. Chicken days, dude. I, I'm, I hope I hope that's what he he dude, changes say, his name say, to. Say it one more time. I gotta hear it. I think it's I, th I believe it's pronounced Jacquesi. Jacquesi. Yeah. Well, that is just shocking. I'm pretty sure it's Jacquesi. How did everyone just get a last name like Smith? I'm over this. All right. Well, listen. Well, then you really don't want to touch any of these next fights. That's for <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, Ali Al, Al Kaiasi at eight and four, taking on Tony Kelly. There's a good one for you at yeah. six and two. Uh, 
I think it's Alcazi actually. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Plus 185, Tony Kelly minus 225. Tony Kelly getting a lot of love here from the odds makers based on the short notice fight that he took just a few weeks back, probably two months ago now, uh, where he put on a performance that a lot of people were not expecting out of him on short notice. Over under around here is plus two point or plus two and a half. Look, man, I, I, it's really hard for me to go against, you know, uh, Al Casey here, just based on his wrestling background and pedigree. But Tony Kelly showed a lot last time. Had a very like Tim Means, James Krause style approach to his fighting. Um, but here's the thing that makes me nervous, right? Is Al Casey or Al Casey doesn't have any hair on his face. I don't even think he has hair on his body. He doesn't have eyebrows, which is very strange. Very strange to me that a guy that does not have eyebrows. It's hard for me to pick against a guy. That's brave enough to walk around, you know, with no eyebrows. What, what do you think here? Well, yeah, you're not going to get a dry body and tight submissions as we talk about. You're going to be greased up. There's no way you can slide right through that slip and slide all day long. I think this fight, much like in women's MMA, we talk about is a coin flip. This is a really tough fight because both are extremely well rounded. I think that um, Ali showed us actually in his last fight. He's got great takedown defense. Being from you know that wrestling background, whether he's up against the cage, which we've seen Tony Kelly, he's moved people up against the cage, try to use the clinch, and he wants to utilize a little bit of that ground and pound, a little bit of vulnerability there. I just don't think he's going to be able to get that with Ali. I think Ali is going to negate any type of getting his butt down on the mat. I like Ali in this. I think you got to fare with a little bit more of the wrestler standpoint here, and I think it's going to be a very slow fight. So you're taking a plus 185 dog here? I am going to take a plus 185 dog here. Oh, boy. All right. So here's the thing about Ali that's got me confused, right, is that his foundational style, he lists himself as a wushu karate fighter. Wushu. Wushu. Like Jet Li. I'm, uh, I'm familiar with the wushu facet. Well, you've watched Jet Li movies, correct? Yeah. Okay. So Jet Li is a wushu fighter. Okay. So that's just sort of where that comes from. It's like a um, Nah. I mean, it's just it's it's it, it, it's just a more traditional martial arts. So it's just it's it's strange to me that that's what he's listing. You know, if you look at the finishes that he's had, they've all been submissions. His wins have come unanimously, uh, and they've normally been wrestle heavy approaches. Um, but here's the thing: I'm going to take Tony Kelly here just based on the fact that, to be honest with you, from a body of work perspective. You know me, I try to watch as much mixed martial arts as I possibly can. Guys like Ali have primarily done a lot of their work in Brave. Brave is not a promotion that I am particularly familiar with. We know a couple of the fighters there. Um, you know, I, I pay attention to it when I can. I just haven't seen enough of them, man, to, to really put a lot of money on a 185 here. I'm going to take Tony Kelly. I'm going to assume that Vegas knows more than I do here. I like Tony Kelly. I like the way he looked in his last fight. I think based on that versus what I've seen from Ali, I think that that version of Tony Kelly can beat that version of Ali that I've seen. But admittedly, this is a fight that I'm not overly confident in. This is not a fight that I'm going to go big on a, on a minus 225. I probably will just avoid this fight with my own money, mm -hmm. um, to, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I think um, outside of the uh, Ton Aspinall in this fight, these are the two fights that I really want to stay away from. Yeah. All right. So Joaquin Buckley stepping in here take, uh, at 10 and three, taking on Impa Kassing. Dude, this is the one. Kassinganyana. Yeah, this is the one that got me last time. So I'm just going to go with Impa because for whatever reason, African names I really struggle with. I can get all the other ones. I really have a hard time with this. So Joaquin taking on Impa uh, at plus 200 and minus 250 respectively here. Uh, Impa at eight. No, Joaquin Buckley at 10 and three. How do you feel about this fight? I'm going to be honest with you. This, here's my play for this fight, yeah. over two and a half. 
that's my play. Like that's that's what I'm putting money on. I'm putting money on the over two and a half. Yeah, you know, I like that. Um, Impa is a guy that definitely has a threat to KO someone, but we didn't we don't see it. I mean, we saw in Maki Patalo in his last fight. Maki moved forward, but he just couldn't get the finish. And I, I, well, I think Maki and any Hawaiian boy is extremely durable. He just didn't get it done. Buckley, on the other hand, I think he's going to be really, really hesitant. He's coming off a KO loss. Actually, I don't know if he's coming off it, but he definitely, I remember, got KO'd gnarly by Kevin Holland. Um, and if he's coming off that KO, um, or if that's just in his Rolodex, I think he's going to be very hesitant to engage because that was a really devastating knockout. Mm-hmm. I like both these guys to fight a little bit. Was it his last fight? Yeah, it was his last fight. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, he got knocked clean by uh, Kevin Holland, which is a legit, legit competition. Um, so you'd want to say that, you know, from a uh, from a resume perspective, he's got that going. But I just think, yeah, I like the – is it two and a half? Yeah, two and a half. half. I like two and a half. I don't see Impa really engaging. I still see, you know, he's going to play his game. I don't think Buckley coming off off a devastating knockout is going to engage more than he needs to. I like over two and a half, but if I'm going to go money line against one of these guys, I'm going to go Impa. I really liked what he showed against Maki. I had high hopes for Maki and being a, a big prospect. Impa had his number. He's really well versed. And dude, this is a guy that cuts weight every weekend. Every weekend, he cuts weight to make his weight. Wait, what do you mean by that? Okay, this, this, just I understand what you're saying from like, I understand the English language, but explain to me what do you mean? Like, he's just constantly in a state of cutting weight because he wants to put himself like in ketosis so he doesn't have to cut weight, or is he's a crazy person that hates his body? What do you know, mean he cuts weight every weekend? I don't understand. I don't know the methodology or reasoning behind it, but I read that he cuts weight to what his fight weight is every single weekend as if he is competing to keep himself on target. So he's not way off. He likes to be in shape and he doesn't feel like he needs to cut way down. So he might be a couple pounds over, but it's very easy for him to get to the level he needs to be. So he cuts weight every weekend to be cohesive with when he would be fighting. Who's who, who's this doing Joaquin or Impa? Impa. So two thoughts here. One, he's foolish and doesn't have enough people in his life that love him enough to tell him mm-hmm. to be he's being dumb or two. He just practices intermittent fasting and he wants to sound way fucking cooler than he is. Yeah, so, probably. Yeah, so. he said it. He said it after the contender series. Whatever, man. That's what you're just Tommy Tough guy. Whatever. I don't give a hoot. All right. Keep <laughs> it moving. Chris Dawkins, nine and three, taking on Rodrigo Nascimento. Nascimento at eight and no. Chris Dawkins at nine and three. These are some big boys here. Uh, and these are these are lines that are again are crazy. For big boys, look, we saw Chris Dawkins not too long ago, Philadelphia police officer. Shout out to law enforcement, first responders everywhere. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Uh, taking on Rodrigo Nascimento at minus 280, over and around is at one and a half. But we saw Dawkins. Dawkins got crisp hands. Dawkins had pretty good takedown defense. I think he might be a problem here, plus 240. But again, heavyweights, bro, with these kind of lines. What are we thinking here? Yeah, the reason is because Rodrigo doesn't have striking um, and Dawkins does. Um, what Rodrigo does have that good Dawkins doesn't have is the jiu-jitsu game. Uh, Rodrigo's got, a, I believe, a black belt. If not, he's an amazing grappler when it is on the ground. But when you're talking about heavyweights, how many of those fights actually go to the round, go to the ground if, unless you get clipped? I think uh, the line for Chris is really, really skewed. Um, if Rodrigo, if he can shoot, which, you know, yes, they're big boys, but actually for being heavyweights, they're both fairly slender. Um, they're both athletic to a certain degree. Um, I think that Rodrigo, if he can get this thing down, that's where he's going to feel comfortable. But Chris has got some, you know, granite in his fist. Let's see what happens with the striking there. 
Yeah, the thing with that is, is so so Dawkins looks like one of those guys with discipline. He could probably make two hundred five. He does appear to be a little soft, right? Um, yeah, he, he he's a he's almost like a Jake Collier heavyweight now. So like Jake Collier, as you know, has fought at middleweight, light heavy, and now heavyweight. They're still gonna the Jake Collier. They just put booked Jake Collier for another freaking fight. I guess this heavyweight Jake Collier is a new thing we're gonna we're gonna deal with now. But anyway. <laughs> Um, Dawkins is one of those guys, I think with, you know, right diet, right nutrition. And if he was able to be a full-time fighter and could dedicate himself to it, um, could probably be, be get really close to the fight at two Oh five. He is a little bit softer from a body type perspective, but of, of course he carries the power of a heavyweight. Um, it is absolutely paramount that Nascimento gets this done in round one. He has to get yeah. it done in round one. And that's why the rounds are at one and a half. He has got to get it done in round one. If he does not, it's the Chris Dawkins show from there on out. He will not. If Again, Nascimento in round one is a play that you can make. Under one and a half is a play that you can make if you think Nascimento is going to win. Um, again, I just I don't necessarily know that I love taking Nascimento money line here. Um, I, I just really think that a Nascimento in round one or an over under on rounds with the under one and a half is the play to make. Because if Nascimento cannot get it, the submission in round one, I, I really think he exhausts himself doing it and Dawkins can get it done fairly quickly thereafter. And I'll take it that. So I'm taking under one and a half here, probably going to be looking at Nascimento in round one yeah, as a, as a possible play as well. Yeah. And even though, you know, Nascimento, if he can't get it down, done in round one, heavyweights that get tired tend to lean up against the cage and Nascimento, one thing we have seen he's got a great standing guillotine and that's one that any heavyweight can hit you don't have to be on the ground for that the guy shoots in for a double his head's right by your waist cinch that thing up lean back throw your feet over he can get it done later rounds too depending on how tired chris Dawkins gets got to go with the jiu-jitsu guy here i'm gonna go with rodrigo as well Okay. All right. Featured uh, featured prelim of, of the night, KB Bueller at 8-0, taking on Tom Breeze at 11-2. This is a fight that you and I initially thought was going to be taking place last week. Yeah. It's actually on this card. Explains why I couldn't see it. Tom Breeze minus 270, KB Bueller at plus 210, over under on rounds is at 2.5. Does the O have to go here, Trey? I know that you are on the fence when it comes to Tom Breeze. Can he get it done against a guy like KB? Yeah, I like his. I like it against KB. I didn't like it last week, but I like it against KB, and I like it for a couple of reasons. We talked about it last week. Being from TriStar, having great striking, good output. It comes down to mentality with me with Tom Breeze. What is he going to come in looking like? I want to see him at weigh-ins. I want to see what he looks like. If he looks collected, he is a guy that suffers from panic attacks. He is a guy that mentally is a little bit skittish to get inside the cage. Guy that's been riddled with injuries. It's been out for some time had a very ebb and flow type career. This is a guy you have to look at what he looks like walking around. Is he cool? Is he calm? Is he collected? If he is, his camp, his striking, his technique, he should be able to get this done. Plus, I said it once and I'll say it again, I am so, so far fading any Canadian fighter as of recently because of my past losses. Well, here's the thing with this, right, is that when you look at a guy like Tom Breeze, he stayed a little bit active as far as he's been taking a lot of grappling bouts. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. His last fight in the UFC was a loss, uh, ground and pound, Brendan Allen. And before that, 
He lost to Sean Strickland. He did have a win over Dan Kelly, but again, I don't know if you remember Dan Kelly before retirement, but Dan Kelly was like 107 years old whenever <laughs> they fought. This was back in 2018. So you're looking at a guy that has not won a fight inside the octagon since 2018, lost to a guy like Brendan Allen. I really think this fight's closer to a 50-50 yeah. uh, than anything else. I know you didn't necessarily love him against a, like Copy Law or a guy like Copy Law, but you do like mm-hmm. him against Bueller. I, here's the thing, right? Is you can do worse. You can do worse than taking KB Bueller here. You can do worse. Uh, plus two ten, he's got a decent chance of beating a guy like Tom Breeze. My thing with this fight, admittedly, I want to avoid this fight from a betting perspective, but I like Tom Breeze. I like the chances of them going out there and throwing down. I'm again, I, I, I hate when I get cute with the over unders here, man. I really hate whenever I feel like I'm doing a lot of underdogs. I hate when I feel like I'm doing a lot of over-under plays here. Um, you know, both of these guys, look, man, I don't know. I, I, they're going to meet. They're going to trade. I don't think this is going to be a boring fight. I don't think it goes the distance even. Um, but I just don't necessarily know who's going to do it and where. I'm going to pass on this fight. And do I? Can I pass on a fight or do I have to? I, I think to your point, this is not going to go the distance. So while two and a half seems, why wouldn't you choose the under? I would actually play an inside the distance play on this. And the reason is because KB is coming in as a prospect. This is a debut for him. Fight Island adrenaline will start throwing to your point. Tom Breeze, is he going to engage? Who knows? Yeah, I like inside the distance for this, but I am going Tom Breeze. And yes, you have to pick someone. All right, then Tom Breeze. And I'm, right. just at that. I'm not betting for, for those listening. I'm not betting on this fight. I'm not betting on it. All right. Yeah. So let's recap these real quick. We'll just go from uh, bottom to top like we always do. And then so that way everybody knows where we stand. Uh, all right. Olenbakov versus Silva. Who are you taking? Olenbakov. I'm taking Olenbakov too. Cortez and Egger. Who are you taking? I'm going to go Egger. You're, you're sw- you said Cortez. You're switching. I it up. know, but I didn't know the Gabby Garcia thing. So that's not fair. Okay. All right. Stephanie Egger as well. All right. Chikese versus Erin Morales. <laughs> Chicken days. Chicken days. All right. Al Casey and Tony Kelly. Going Al Casey. And I'm going Tony Kelly. Joaquin Buckley, Impa. I'm going Impa. Hmm. I'll go Impa, but I like the over better. Uh, okay. Over two and a half. That's that that that's what I'm going to play on that fight. I'm not playing an individual. I'm playing. Yeah, more. I'll play that as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Chris Dawkins, Rodrigo Nascimento. Right, Nascimento. I'll go Nascimento, but I like the one and a half as well. KB Bueller versus Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze. I'm taking Tom Breeze, but I'm not betting on this fight. Uh, Taporia versus Zalal. I'm taking Taporia, and I'm actually going to take the under in that as well. Yeah, I'm taking Taporia in the under two and a half as well. Tom Aspinall, Alon Bedeau. Staying away from this, but if I have to pick, I'm going to go Aspinall. Yeah, I'm not, fi- I'm not betting on this fight, but I'll take Aspinall as well. All right, Duplessis versus Perez. I'm taking Perez. And I'm taking Duplessis. Okay. All right. Ben Rothwell versus Marcin Tibera. Big Ben Rothwell. Taking Big Ben as well. Edson Barboza, Mach 1, Amir Khani. Chop the tree, Edson Barboza. I'm taking Barboza and under two and a half. And Marlon Marais versus Corey Sandhagen. It's Marlon's time. It's okay. All right. I'm taking Sandhagen. 
Whoa! You just dropped that bomb at the end like that. I'm taking Sandhagen. I bet. Wow. Listen, all picks were subject to change until Saturday night. If you want to see what our picks are going to be leading up into the fight, obviously the episode is one thing. But follow us on Instagram as well. Um, we are on Twitter, right? We had a couple of people reach out to us say do stuff on Twitter. We're, we're on Twitter, but we're not on it that much. Admittedly, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. I don't necessarily like Jack Dorsey, but I don't want to talk politics on the show. I don't like Jack Dorsey, so I really don't do much on Twitter. I don't really like Zuckerberg, but Instagram. Instagram is a visual component that we actually enjoy and we get good fan interaction from there. So social media rant over. Um, follow us on Instagram at punchless MMA. You can follow us on Twitter at punchless MMA. You can shoot us an email at chat at punchless MMA. All picks are subject to change up until fight time. You can hit us up on any of our social channels. We'll be glad to talk to you any day throughout the week and especially on fight night. Trey and I are manning the stations on Friday nights. I was there all night on Saturday night. For the main event, beer in hand, getting good and saucy, watching fights. I'm there. We can chat it up. Live bet sometimes. Throw some little last-minute parlays together. Picks are subject to change up to and including uh, the actual event start. At the event start, that's when we kind of pull the curtain on it. So that way uh, our picks are locked in to maintain integrity. We don't say, you know, oh, we switched it last second, even though we said 100 times over, we were leaning one way or the other. We do bet everything that we play. That's something that we always want to uh, reassure you guys that we bet everything. I'll gladly show you my slips for everything. We bet everything that we say that we're going to play. Integrity is paramount when it comes to that. I want to shout out all of our sponsors, uh, Stay Classy Meats as well as, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Allegiance. Uh, Want to thank everybody at Armchair for bringing us on board there. You know, use our promo codes, shoot shoot us any sort of messages that you have. We'll be happy to vouch for anything and any products that we say and or use. Happy to help out there. Trey, that's it as far as paying bills go. What else do you have for the people tonight? Anything at all? Um, it's more of a PSA here. I put mm. out a poll earlier today, and I've got to talk about this for a quick second. Sure, so obviously sure. to hide my identity, given my poor performance last week yep. started rocking the beard. This thing's coming off tonight, dude. It's itching like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. um, going to take it off, but put up a poll for you. I said, mm -hmm. does Dale use beard oil mm -hmm. or beard enhancement products? Now, mm -hmm. mind you, 55% of the voters, which mm -hmm. we had hundreds of voters said that, Oh, for sure he does. Mm -hmm. While 45% no, it's all natural. My friend, mm -hmm. tell the people utilize this platform. What is going in that beard? So my brother grows a much better beard than I do, admittedly. Um, so his his beard is much akin to yours. It's more carpety um, and thicker twirly hair where I've got like straight hair. Um, but here, you know, by and large, I just kind of, you know, I wash it daily using a specially formulated beard shampoo and that's it. That's nice, man. Nice little exfoliation going on there. I keep it soft. You know what I mean? I got kids. I got the wife. You know, I want people to actually want to be near me, kiss me and not have this rough and tumble beard. It's nice and soft. It's feathery, bro. No, it's friendly. And apparently our entire fan base thinks it's so friendly that even when I put out initial polls, they're going with the beard. I don't understand what's going on here. Clearly, you've got some fanboys. It's all I'm, good, though. Things are going to change. The tide is turning, my friend. I went eight and two last week. So that's kind of what happened. So admittedly, admittedly, people love a winner. That's just kind of an age old adage. People love a winner. When you had two good weeks and we had a week where we pushed, People nobody was not betting. For me. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you might have to do some self evaluation then. I don't yeah. know. Do you want to yeah. give anything away today? I do. You no, do? actually, you know what? I don't. I want to do a call to action. Guys, we had an amazing, amazing turnout when it comes to reviews on iTunes. If this is your first time listening to it, 
We love, love reviews. We want to know how we're doing. Obviously, if you can give us five stars and write a quick review, it takes two seconds out of your day. It goes a long way for us. Go to iTunes, write a review. That'd be great. If you can't and you listen to this on Spotify, shoot us a DM and uh, you will be enrolled into what is called our beer money. We give out beer money weekly so you can buy a quick six pack, nice little brewski for yourself on fight night. We like to hook up the boys and girls. So again, if you can, go to go to iTunes, or not, go to Spotify, shoot us a DM, beyond appreciate it, and we will give away beer money next week. See, here's here's what I don't understand, is that you're talking about how nobody likes you, and then when I ask you whether or not you want to give something away, you choose no. I doubled down on the beer money last time, dude, and given my poor performance, I can't go into overdraft zone in the old bank account, dude. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. We are going to give away beer money. It'll come directly out of my pocket, not even the show fund. I... What an I asshole move. What an that. asshole move. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I'm drowning. Let's go. All right. I'm at, hold on. I, I I did need to add one more. We did have a, we did have another review come in. All right. So here oh. we go. All right. So I want to make sure I add, oh, add my man and or woman, uh, whoever this was. I want to make sure that they were in here. All right. So. All right. I got that added. All right. Here we go. Bum, 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 bum. Beer money giveaway winner for this week Jared. is <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jared for the fifth time. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, let's see here. Irish bet on red. Wait, is that a repeat winner? No. no Are you that sure? Like, that's actually so fitting because what happened two years ago today? Oh, um, Connor beat Khabib. <laughs> that's exactly how i remember it <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be honest with you i think irish bet on red was a winner in a pre for a previous giveaway of ours really yeah i, I feel like so. i remember that one all right do it again if if not right. we'll you two you can pay two people out i'll pay i'll pay two people out see that's your phone vibrating because somebody else did all right beer money winner tiger and glass tiger and glass now that is an Instagram. I do have it earmarked there. That's an Instagram user. So Instagram user Tiger and Glass. Hit us up. Get your beer money. If Tiger and Glass does not hit us up, then we will actually have double beer money come next week, which uh, Zombie versus Ortega. Ortega next week. Oh, that's there's a big reason why we're having on Johnny Case. That's right. For the Korean zombie fight. Well, you want to explain why? Yeah, so Johnny Case has been in Korea for the last few weeks helping Korean Zombie get ready for the Brian Ortega fight, basically pretending to be Brian Ortega. Uh, Johnny Case has been out there, so Johnny's going to come on the show next week. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. I told him that we were going to talk about UFOs. Yeah. I told him that we were going to talk about uh, being a meme lord. I told him that we were going to talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. So we're going to talk about fighting for sure. But you guys, I'm just going to go ahead and let let you know now. You need to be prepared for the energy that Johnny Case brings to a, to a program because it's intense. Yeah. Um, and he's all over the place. So just get ready. And we're going to obviously talk a lot about, you know, zombie and how zombies feeling going into the fight against Ortega, what he saw while he was in Korea um, and go from there. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a can't miss show. I'm going to be honest with you. Can't miss show. Awesome. All right, all right. man. So. Shout out to Tiger and Glass. Shout out to show sponsors. Best way to support the show is by supporting sponsors. So, you know, help us by helping them. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week on Instagram between now and then. And then, like I always say, be good to each other. Appreciate you guys. Take care and talk to you soon.